Bitcoin Group, the American original. For over the last 10 seconds, the sharpest Satoshis, the best Bitcoins, the hardest cryptocurrency talk. We'd like to welcome our panelists, Stefan Kinsilla from the Open Crypto Alliance. Hello. Ben Ark from BTC IoT. Hello. Dan Eve, the Crypto Raptor. Hello, hello, hello. Josh Shigala from Voltoro. Bonjour, mate. And I'm Thomas Hunt from the World Crypto Network. Moving on to issue one. Issue one, Bitcoin price decline deepens. Heads for the worst week since February. Technical charts suggested a weakening trend with altcoins rallying and now sliding as the Bitcoin price slides towards $50,000. Bitcoin is down 9.8% since Sunday, the biggest drop on the weekly price charts since late February. Stefan Kinsella, the price of Bitcoin is in near freefall. What will we do? Is the bull run over? It's a good time to buy. I was glad to see that it's on sale. Bitcoin on sale, Ben Ark. Um, yeah, it's people have been selling off for quite a while, so I was surprised that the the price didn't seem. So that's what made me very bullish because I knew a lot of people who were selling Bitcoin to buy stuff like houses and big cars and invest in other things and by businesses and things. Uh, and the price didn't seem to be dented by it. So it showed how much sort of enthusiasm and new money there was coming into Bitcoin. Like it wasn't just, because there has been periods in the past where everyone's just been huddling. There's been no Bitcoins on the markets. The price has gone up. Whereas that didn't seem to be the case this time around. There's been this, um, uh, a, a couple of big events with taxes. So now I think in the US you have to pay double or, or you will have to pay double capital gains. So there's probably a whole bunch of people cashing out while the price is high because they figure, well, if I'm going to have to pay double tax on it, then, I might as well cash out now. But with all this crazy upward price momentum, every time we have these crazy upward price, even these bull runs, and even if they're not sustainable and the price drops fairly significantly, it's the huddle of bedrock. Like it sucks people in and a percentage of those people aren't going to let go of that Bitcoin. They're going to hold on to it and they're going to hold on to it and they're going to hold on to it. And that just limits the supply more. So I'm still bullish on Bitcoin. It's just that again, like, you know, that top wedge of traders and, opportunists and people or people who are probably better at managing their money than some of the people who are who are selling out now um but uh the hodler bedrock continues to build which gives us a much stronger base for the price to go even higher um so you know i'm still looking at the two hundred thirty thousand dollar uh price target um and this is i'm sure we'll be you know back up in a, a week or so Dan Eve, 100 trillion USD, the stock to flow model agrees with Ben. Are we still going up? Well, I like to think that the, the prophecies will remain intact, you know, but there's always a small piece of me that's a bit chicken licking, like, oh, God, the sky's falling. Um, uh, the, the real indicator is that my mum hasn't phoned me to say, is, is Bitcoin dead yet? So she's, she's not uh, capitulated yet. So I think we, we still have time. We're still in the bull run. We're still in the, in the channel. And, and let's face it as well. It's like, what, 50, even just touching 51K now. It was like 12K at, at Christmas. Or, well, sorry, at Christmas, you know, beginning of December. So it's had one hell of a run. 
Um, it is going, you know, below the you know moving day, fifty day moving average, which you know people people kind of uh, make their trading moves on. But I think, as Ben said, you know, the double cap gains um, could be could be part of the sell off. Um, also, Martin uh, was saying uh, in the group earlier that uh, the there's a billion plus op- in options expiring today. And there was a power cut in China, so uh, that that could also probably have you know these small factors have a bit, and and people just taking profit because you know Bitcoin's gone up so much. It's like you know they're they're clever people; they'll sell a, a little bit. Well, no, they're not clever though. They should hodl. Josh, uh, yeah. dollar. penny, penny, penny. The sky is falling. It's all over. I mean, the funny thing is, like, I, I would just not care. I was like, nah, whatever, I, I'm just one of these people. But, you know, I'm lucky enough to get in early, <laughs> very early. So it's, it's all right. But I had to, um, I, I had to sell some um, to, to buy a large, like a, a large purchase in my life, namely a, a house, somewhere to live. And I decided to buy it. And, and you start to feel that stress of like, oh, it's starting to fall. And I thought, you know what? I, I, I got I to gotta sell it now because who knows? Like there, is, um, there was a lot of volume uh, that sort of held up at this level, but then it dropped below uh, at around about 48 uh, in, in terms of uh, dollars and then euro. Uh, you know, conversion. I thought, oh, look, you know, this is. I, I've got to. I've got to just go now. And and you can all. You guys can all thank me. But I turned as soon as I sold, the market turned around and went right back up again. So no, you're you're all welcome. That's always the way. Moving on to the exit question, Stefan Kinsella, The price of Bitcoin this time next week, higher or lower? Higher. And Eve. I'm going to break my losing streak and say, although it did nearly touch 65, and I'm going to say higher. Ben Ark. I'm going to say lower the next week, but then back up the week after. But yeah, lower. Josh Segala. Yeah, I mean, I, I have been really looking at these charts, um, obviously, for obvious reasons. And I, I, I'm not just saying this because I, I sold some, but um, I, I do believe it's going to go lower. I think there's not very much resistance here at all. It uh, When it went up to this level, it just cruised all the way up to this level pretty easily. It didn't stop for a while and pause and give some nice uh, new areas of support or even resistance. And so uh, if, you know, it did drop below this, this point and I, I just was, you know, like, yeah, this is, this, is, this is a risky area. When I say that, I'm just talking short term here. I'm just talking short term. Uh, Long term, well, in the next few months, uh, there is no problem. We're heading into the, we're heading into the double, uh, <clears throat> you know, if, yeah, we're heading into the hundreds. Sure. And now the seer of seers, prognosticator of prognosticators, the magic Bitcoin ball. Will the price be higher this time next week? Here we go. Let's see. Concentrate and ask again. Concentrate and ask again. No answer from the ball. No help. You'll just have to make your own decisions. Moving on to issue two. Morgan Stanley holds nearly $30 million in Bitcoin funds. 
Just recently, Morgan Stanley said that qualifying clients had the ability to buy Bitcoin, and they've been buying it like crazy. 322 clients participated in the funds, buying $30 million in Bitcoin, teaching an old bank new tricks. Ben Ark, your thoughts on Morgan Stanley and their customers who apparently want to buy Bitcoin. I could see your notes in my screenshot. It's good that you didn't write any rude things about us. Um, yeah, no, Morgan Stanley, what, three weeks ago, they said that uh, people could start using Grayscale to buy Bitcoin or something. And now what was it? Is it 30 million or 300 million? I'm, I've lost. 30 million. How much was it? 30, I think. 30 million, yeah, 30 million. Um, is that in Grayscale or is that in Bitcoin? Is that just their clients have been buying Bitcoin? It's in Bitcoin. I don't it's know. It's directly in Bitcoin. Okay. So I, I thought it might relate to the Grayscale thing three it weeks won't ago. Be up to the desk. Morgan yeah. Stanley, this is for unique custom clients that have more than a million dollars or more than $5 million in holding in the company. Uh, for that amount of money, they'll go out to Coindesk or Coinbase and make you an account. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's huge. I mean, like, so that the, 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 I mean, obviously they'll say the line, look, this is a, a highly volatile asset, it should be a, a, a small percentage of your portfolio, maybe three, four, five percent or something like that. Um, and then I'm sure that they've got some other clients, you know, who, who, who want more than that as a portfolio. But um, there's this theory among a lot of Bitcoiners that these big, financial funds are just going to dump the market and dump bitcoin like you know pump the price then dump the bitcoin they're not they've got to excuse their buying to their investors and trying to time a bitcoin top is it is you know proven to be very very hard so uh they're gonna they're gonna buy into all the the rhetoric we all buy into you know that this asset is going to continue to increase and in, in substantially in value as long as we have to hold it for a, a decent period of time which is done, you know, historically and is a good investment historically. If you do that, if you start trying to muck around buying dips and you, you end up losing all your money. So um, it's good news that they're buying up Bitcoin and it's, if they're building that hodler bedrock, just the next level of hodler bedrock, they'll keep it in their portfolio. That 5% will swing around. And then in three or four years time, that will, that 5% will be, you know, the, the biggest earner which they've made in their portfolio and that'll bring more people into the Bitcoin sphere. But no, it's, 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 it's big news that they're buying a Bitcoin. I don't think it's going to stop with the, the price going down either. If anything, maybe they'll be, um, I know we've broken through that 50-day moving average thing. And on a chart, it doesn't look so good for Bitcoin. But um, these these people, they're, they're, they're bright people. That They'll be advising them to, to hold on to their Bitcoin and just enjoy the ride and just not put too much of their portfolio into it. Dan, Eve. Well, I suppose it's good that they've they've got exposure. Um, again, I, I think if if it is as crazy as they're opening a Coinbase account, then they're like they're multiplying the third party uh, risk that they've got there. You know, by going not just holding the Bitcoin, but they're using someone else to have an account to hold the Bitcoin with Coinbase. So uh, it's a peculiar way of doing things. But uh, as long as they have the Bitcoin. Uh, I'm sure that in no time they will be dipping their toes in further, spinning up a Bitcoin node, and uh, and you know going all out with LM bits as well, being fully self-sovereign, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it does seem like it's kind of like uh, the, the timing's pretty pretty uh, bad for 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 all these uh, you know these new companies and stuff opening up to to Bitcoin. Um, yeah, you don't want them sort of buying the top and then panicking and then you know selling and uh, uh, and then. Um, 
yeah, you know, hating Bitcoin forever. So as long as they can hodl through and just realize that this is like the general market movement, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things will will be all good for these uh, for these for these new Bitcoiners. Josh Shigala. Um, what I find really sad is that uh, these big institutions are jumping in right at the top and allowing. And, and they have this huge rhetoric about, ooh, be careful uh, that you invest and, and uh, you know, everything needs to be regulated to hell and no, 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 no. But we'll only offer it when, it's, when the hype train is in full swing um, instead of, you know, allowing them to, their, their, their clients to buy a bit earlier on. What I find absolutely sort of weird and it's kind of twisted is, it's only $30 million. I mean, it's a lot of money for a single individual, of course, but for a bank like Morgan Stanley, they, they, they sort of have that as a little, that's, that's like a sprinkle on top of, on top of a cake. It, it's just nothing. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I find these sort of news articles strange that they sort of gloat, that this is sort of gloat that there's 30 million bucks there. Mm, it doesn't something doesn't smell right and the whole that they're buying coin like opening coinbase accounts for their client i mean i don't know the coinbase account thing was a joke man i'm really joking here oh okay right okay <laughs> they, they, <laughs> thought, the idea being I, that if you're so rich you had to wait for jp morgan to offer it for you you could have just walked up to coinbase at any point in the past seven years and bought yourself some bitcoin yeah but you needed to get this white glove service i agree with, a lot with what josh is saying i think that cnbc does the same thing where when the price of Bitcoin was up last time, they put a special box on the screen. Here's the price of Bitcoin. And it stuck out from the other boxes. Like it didn't fit in a little system. And then when the price went down, the box went away and they stopped talking about it. Now that it's back, the box is back, but they put it inside where the Dow is and the other markets. So it's a bit more permanent. Like they're not going to stop talking about it this time. But again, same thing. When they're not talking about it, that's when you should be buying now that JP Morgan's offering you the chance to buy internally, uh, sadly, it looks like the sheep are getting fleeced. Uh, Stefan Kinsella, your thoughts about JP Morgan offering Bitcoin to their clients? Well, I think it's inevitable. It's, uh, this is part of the process of hyper-Bitcoinization, right? More and more avenues for people to get exposure to it, uh, consumers, rich individuals, institutional investors. And you know, every time this happens, you get more attention and then more, more people want to do it. There's more pressure on the, on, on these companies to offer it. Um, you know, I just hope that, uh, I don't think this retrenchment is going to hurt. I think it's temporary and I don't think they're going to back off. Um, you know, sort, sort of like uh, in the days of the uh, Bitcoin as payment early days idea when all these merchants were trying to say they were accepting Bitcoin in payment and then it all kind of fell apart. Um, I don't, I don't see this following the same path. Exit question. Uh, will the other banks follow JP Morgan? Is there no way to stop this? They're all going to cascade in, uh, or is this an outlier? Ben R. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, even if, uh, well, I mean, rich people are just like anyone else, aren't they? They're talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin's on topic at the moment in those conversations they have at their family meal. Um, and I think it's, it's good that it's a small amount, that it's not some crazy, ridiculous amount, because I do think that it's sort of sensible buying. It's a small part of their portfolio, but we just need more of that. We just see more of these 
rich people to have it as a small part of their portfolio. And then they're less likely to, to do that thing which I spoke about before, potentially dumping on the market because it's it doesn't really affect their, you know, their net worth so much. Um, and it's something which they're, they're willing, to, a percentage in which they're willing to, you know, suffer the, the crazy uh, price fluctuations because they know that historically it goes up very significantly. Dan, Eve. So, so I suppose if, if, it, if it does a, a big retrace, I reckon they'd probably be more likely for, for, um, for other banks to, to, to get involved because they'll know that it's going to swing back up a, a, eventually. Whereas if it just keeps on kind of climbing, I think that they might, other banks and institutions might be a bit reluctant just simply because of the fact that they'll, you know, they won't, they won't want to be, you know, that, that company that made their clients buy the top. Um, but on the Morgan Stanley, so the, I think they said that there was 5% of their wealth was a maximum that they were allowed to invest. So if there's 30 million in there, then that gives about 600 million of wealth that's uh, interested in buying Bitcoin. And obviously, you know, the, the glorious thing about Bitcoin is that you don't need Morgan Stanley to get Bitcoin. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's just much better to have your own and hold your own. So um, there, this might be a, a, in a time where people start circumventing that and thinking, right, well, I'll have 5% via Morgan Stanley, but I'll start you know, stacking sats in the background because I'm waiting for this you know, stock to flow 250K to come around the corner. So, um, uh, yeah, I think more banking institutions will follow. Timing-wise, not sure about now because of the, the fear of buying the top. Josh Agala. Um, the thing is that banks, um, retail banks, uh, I'm not talking investment banks like uh, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and such, but uh, retail banks will definitely start to, to allow as a product. The, the main thing that retail banks do nowadays, because it's so hard to make money, it's kind of like phone companies uh, were earning hand over fist with SMSs back in the day. I think it was like each gig that went through their network, they earned a million bucks back in the day. And now they earn like nothing, like hardly anything. And off the phone calls are all free. Everyone's using Skype and you know, the, and it's the same for, with banks. Um, retail banking, it's very difficult to make money uh, in that because no one wants to spend money to send money. Um, and so a lot of it is adding products, adding value. So if you log into your retail bank, it's usually, hey, do you want to buy insurance? Or do you want to loan? Or do you want this? Or do you want that? It's a, they're like on selling, uh, on selling different products. So of course, uh, what they'll do is they'll jump on some startup that's uh, offering their service to plug into banks, and they will offer to buy uh, for their clients to buy Bitcoin through the interfaces of these banks. Um, of course, the sales cycles in banks, you know, uh, are, are long. Uh, they take a while to onboard and and stuff. Although the um, API thing that the EU has that forcing all banks to now have an API um, is making that a little bit more accelerated. But yeah, banks um, are notoriously slow. I mean, you go into some banks and they've still got green and black screens. Um, you know, like that's, that's how like long the sales cycles are, you know, I mean, it, it's insane. So um, yeah, I, I think the next banks will be all of these retail banks. Um, they, they'll be the ones uh, allowing their customers to buy Bitcoin. And, um, you know, PayPal has really um, led that charge, not that they're a, a, a traditional bank, but uh, they're definitely in that same game where they have to start uh, adding more value 
to their core product because it's just not that profitable. Stefan Kinsella, will the other banks follow JP Morgan in? I think it's uh, it's almost impossible to imagine they wouldn't. Uh, you know, if, if another bank doesn't, they're going to lose customers. They're going to switch to the ones that do. And even this 5% limit, I mean, look, what if, what if Bitcoin goes up and now your 5% becomes 10%? They're not going to make you sell it. So they're going to have to tolerate that too. Um, and you know, if 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 uh, you have a lot of money in there, you want to put more than five percent, you're going to just take some money out and put it in Coinbase or whatever you you want to do, and uh, then the bank's going to lose their management fees. So they're going to be under pressure to keep expanding the limit and for everyone to offer this feature. Just like to thank everyone for watching and remind you to hit the thumbs up button down below. I remember it's free to hit the thumbs up button. We have about 33 people watching right now, probably about five or 10 of them have hit the thumbs up button. So there's still a chance. Uh, let's hit thumbs up down below. Also check out the World Crypto Network audio podcast. I've just gotten access to update it again. So I'll be updating that soon. Uh, we haven't had that many shows go on. So if you've been keeping up with the YouTube, uh, you're pretty much up to date, but still a great chance to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe down below if you haven't already. Issue three. Back to JP Morgan again. JP Morgan sounds urgent alarm on Bitcoin price momentum after $300 billion Bitcoin and crypto sell-offs. My question to you, uh, Dan, Eve, do the banks have strong hands? Have we inherited some wonderful new partners or are they going to run for the hills? Well, I can't remember the, the exact status of, of JP Morgan in terms of whether they're offering it to, to clients. I know that when they did, when Jamie Dimon was fudding in like 2017, 2018, there was like the day after that, that he like did a FUD article or FUD campaign, like, like JP Morgan Sweden bought 9,000 XPT contracts or something crazy. But um, but yeah, I don't know what their, their position is, but it seems a bit like Captain Hindsight for, for me. And they're very, they do seem to be very up down at the, you know, it, it, they're up down over there in terms of saying, you know, saying it's good, saying it's bad. It's, 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 it's you know, it's pure heaven, it's the devil, etc. Well, not quite pure heaven, but they do seem to be up, up and down. I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, obviously whenever Bitcoin moves massively, it it uh, you know in terms of ten sort of you know ten to fifteen percent ish, it, it starts to shape people a bit because we all know <laughs> that Bitcoin can drop like eighty percent you know in a matter of weeks or whatever. So or maybe a bit more than that. But that but um yeah, so it probably scares people a bit. Um, I just think that there's too much liquidity in it, and and the fact is that whenever it drops, it just makes you think even more. Well. I'm going to buy the dip. And, you know, there's such a big meme um, out of buying, buying the dip um, that, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's not going to go. I, th I don't think it's going to go much lower. Hopefully, hopefully we don't see this like crazy 80% retrace, but they've got to, they've got to kind of warn people just in case their, their sort of richer clients have been dabbling in it, uh, whether via the bank, if they're offering it or, or not, you know, just to kind of be the, the voice of sensible, uh, you know, sensible and, and reason, like be careful, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no need to sound the alarm. Just hodl. Josh Shigala, are the investors with the pitchforks lining up outside of Elon Musk's door? Are they worried suddenly about the investment in Bitcoin that they've made? Yeah, this is um, uh, you know, this is a, this is the thing when when you get uh, large companies having this on their balance sheets, um, you you've got a 
a lot of these CEOs, they, they spend a lot, like a long time to get to that position. And so it's quite a scary move to put that onto the balance sheet. Um, when, it's, when it's going down and down and down, that's when you should be putting this stuff on your balance sheet. But that's when everyone's, you know, CNBC is taking it off their television. That's when everyone's saying, oh, it's over, it's dead. Uh, you know, the blocks are full and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just constant, uh, constant fight about how the technology didn't work. It's a failed project. Someone rage quit and uh, or whatever, it, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, really, really scary. But then the other side is when it's going up, it's really easy to to be a good investor when it's going up in Bitcoin. It's like, oh, look how clever, look how clever that CEO is. He bought Bitcoin or she bought Bitcoin. And there's uh, really, it, you know, it, it, it's scary because when you buy the real top and then it drops, that's when we'll see how how diamond handsy Elon Musk's hands are. Um, yeah, well, let's see, let's see. I, you know, the thing is this market you know, I know, Ben, you said earlier that there's a lot of liquidity, but I don't think there is. Like, I find it very, very suspicious that we were watching this market getting weaker and weaker up towards the Coinbase uh, IPO, uh, yet every dip, it turned back around and tried to push further, push further. And then on the day, the day after Coinbase's IPO, the thing finally goes, ah, oh, yeah. And then heads down for the next like 10 days or whatever it is, like, it's just been going down and down and down and down. I, I really, I have no proof of this and you know, this is not uh, true. Uh, this is just my hunch. And uh, I, I, I do somehow feel that maybe there was a little bit of market manipulation leading up to Coinbase's IPO. Just saying, probably not, but maybe. Buy the rumor, sell the news. Ben Ark, your thoughts on bitcoin price no I, I i don't think it's that liquid um i think we've got a, a thin top layer of, of people buying and selling bitcoin and the majority of it is either lost coins or podler bedrock people who just have their bits on a hardware wallet and it's they're gonna have them there for five years um uh, so no I, I don't think the, there's too much liquidity in the top but all these investment firms you know like capital has to grow or else, way someone paid me some stats, nice, and they triggered a little animation. Um, I can't scan the QR code though. I don't know; it's not big enough. But oh. other people are. Yeah. Um, no, capital has to grow, and like just like the humans, you know, we, we get interested in Bitcoin, maybe just because we're interested in the idea of like digitally native money. You know, something simple, some simple concept. Oh, look, I'm getting to scan those. That's cool. Um, now, if you use LNTX bottle Zeus or an LN Bits wallet, in fact, because it's using LN URL pay, um, uh, you can actually attach a comment and you'll have a comment come up here and you can say anything because it's not in our senses. So, oh, look, it's Martin. I stretched Martin. Um, so, no, uh, uh, yeah, no, JP Morgan, um, uh, Morgan Stanley, all these investment firms, they need to have somewhere to put their capital to grow their capital. And yes, they can just buy Bitcoin. They can buy the underlying asset. But there's all these Bitcoin companies. There's always there's this Bitcoin infrastructure and you know industry, which is now going to have a lot of investment pouring into it because uh, there's all these people who are now interested in Bitcoin and they want to invest in Bitcoin and help. And that helps grow their you know their measly five percent or something if they invest in a few Bitcoin companies here and there. So um, and that strengthens the whole project uh, as a whole, the whole Bitcoin project as a whole. So. 
that's an excuse to help grow their capital. I'm sure there'll be some investment in Bitcoin companies and that will in turn grow the price of Bitcoin, just as that, that seems to be what's happened in the past. Stefan Kinsella, our new friends with all the diamonds, do they also have diamond hands? <laughs> uh, I do think there's a bit of a fair weather uh, friend syndrome here. I think that, you know, sailors, uh, shareholders, I'm not sure how he persuaded them, uh, the cor corporation to do that. Um, I'm glad MicroStrategy bought in 2020 so that it looks good now because it's still a good advertisement for Bitcoin. But yeah, I do think that, uh, you know, even if they're up 4 billion and he were to go down to, to 1 billion, the, the shareholders wouldn't see that, oh, he's made us a billion. They'd say he lost three. Um, but I don't think that the uh, I don't think the banks are going to stop offering the service if the price falls, and I don't think most of the uh, thirty million or so initial people that invested are going to back out. I think they're they're probably pretty strong hodlers, uh, maybe not diamond, but maybe uh, uh, tungsten. It's a matter a matter of metals now. It's a, the, it's a the, the most scale of hardness. <laughs> well, let's see. We're going to move on to issue four. Issue four, U UK court agrees to hear copyright lawsuit brought by self-proclaimed Bitcoin investor. Yes, Craig Wright is back again, this time suing Bitcoin.org and pseudonymous operator Cobra. Uh, Wright is suing Cobra because he posted the Bitcoin white paper on bitcoin.org it seemed absurd for a long time uh, cobra getting the claims dismissed calling them without merit in a blog however it seems that the united kingdom court has a very uh, lenient or small standard and is allowing this lawsuit to be brought uh, to start on this one we'll go to stefan kinsella from the open crypto alliance uh, you probably have the inside scoop on this and more information than any of us so go ahead stefan yeah, and our focus is on uh, patent filings, which are threatening to Bitcoin, some by Enchain and some by others. Uh, of course, uh, you know I've, I've been long a, a critic of all types of intellectual property. I'm a patent attorney, by the way. Um, trademark, patent, and copyright, and all three, interestingly, are being are being threatened by various actors in the crypt, crypto space. Uh, you know, saying that using the word the name Bitcoin is a trademark infringement. Uh, saying that having a copy of the white paper is some kind of uh, uh, copyright infringement and then the patent problem too. And in fact, the one danger of the copyright claim is, is you know, you could say that everyone operating a node or miners are infringing copyright every time, every 10 minutes because there's a copy made of the white paper because it's embedded into the blockchain. So in theory, you know, the desire would be to get a court order to sh not just to shut down someone from hosting the white paper, but to shut, sh get a court order making anyone hosting a node to shut down because that's infringement. So it's a way to try to control uh, the real block, the real Bitcoin chain and to try to, you know, get another chain to be more dominant. Um, I think that the claim is totally – Does Wright want to – like you said that it would force the miners to shut down, could shut, force the nodes to shut down. Does Wright really want to shut down the entire Bitcoin network? Would that benefit him if that was the outcome? Well, my, my, I, I don't know. I think his strategy is all over the map, but uh, it could be that uh, you know, he thinks that maybe that would give uh, BSV uh, a boost to become the, the main one or something like that. 
Um, the copyright claim is ridiculous. The fact that the UK court is going to hear it is just standard procedure. Uh, he'll be heard. I think it's almost certain he'll lose uh, because he'd have to prove he's the owner. And given his reputation and the fact that he hasn't proved that he is Satoshi, which most people say he obviously could if he is, um, would would make it appear that he hasn't satisfied his burden of proof. Um, but he's going – I think what he's trying to do is just bolster his claims that he is Satoshi. I think that's his main – this main goal in these lawsuits is to try to get some official recognition from some court that he is Satoshi, um, uh, which is why they trumpeted early on. They said the U.S. Copyright Office uh, registered the, their copyright app, uh, filing proving that he's Satoshi, but that's of course not the case because the Copyright Office doesn't examine claims of authorship. They just make you swear that you are the author and uh, under, under penalty of a fine, uh, which he did. And they just said, OK, and then they kind of they sent it back. They said, are you sure? He said, yes. So he just said, I'm sure. And then they issued a press release saying clarification just because they're saying that our registering of his application means he's the copyright owner is not actually the case. So it has zero evidentiary weight that he was able to register the copyright. Uh, I mean, you, any one of us could do it right now as well if you're willing to commit perjury. And uh, not that the uh, audience has, but I think many in the audience who are also Satoshi Nakamoto uh, may have filed those forms. And if you were Satoshi, it would not be perjury. So, correct. Just up on that, uh, Ben Ark. Your thoughts on the court case uh, being brought uh, by Doctor Wright? Um, I went to a BSV. I, I I I strongly urge if there's ever a BSV or a Bcash me up in your local area as a bitcoiner just go in your bitcoin t-shirt and your paraphernalia and just sit there because it it rains them in um uh, just your presence rains them in so it's this bsv uh, talk and it was called patenting blockchain and it was by his patent lawyers um who were there and they were doing this talk on how you can paint in the blockchain and there are loads of people in suits it's very funny actually because i was with um uh, one of the guys from the uh, Cardiff Bitcoin meetup, which is a, a good big Bitcoin meetup, which I think why the PSV guys are sort of like uh, targeting it. There's someone to spread the hor horrible propaganda. And at one point he stood up and he went, come to our Bitcoin meetup. There's 30 people there. None of them are paid. You see all you lot? You're all being paid. <laughs> it's quite a sort of embarrassing moment. I was like, of oh, course. Um, but I was speaking to his patent lawyer afterwards. And uh, at one point we were talking about Satoshi and she said, Oh, you know, he, she, whoever it may be, we don't know who it is, do we? And I was like, and I think reading between the lines, these people are making bank from this guy. So they're like, yeah, okay, crazy rich billionaire, give us some money and, you know, we'll go to some court and then, you know, try and convince people that uh, Craig Wright is Satoshi. Um, but oh, someone, someone put up a message, nicely played. Um, that was using LNT exports. <laughs> That's a bit naughty. That's a problem with you can't non, not messages you can't censor. Um. LN transaction bot messages do not reflect the opinions of the world crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they reflect the opinion of, of me. To be fair, so I could call whoever that was. But um, uh, uh, yeah. So so everyone's just making money around him. It will go to court, and actually, UK courts uh, something we do quite well in this country is bureaucracy and UK courts are quite sensible places um uh you know they're not perfect all courts aren't perfect but they are quite sensible places where he'll just be tossed out as just a fraudster and a clown and you know 
the the judge won't 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 hold back on putting him in his place. I'm sure. I look forward to that, even though we won't be able to see it. But um, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing about that happening, which will happen. Yeah. Can I add something? I was just going to say I I think it's actually a good thing because. I think we'll probably get a definitive, a fin- finally a single definitive ruling that one of his IP claims connected to his claim to be Satoshi has been struck down by a court. So, and copyright claim, copyright suits are not nearly as expensive to defend as a patent suit. So, I think that this probably will end up uh, being a good thing for Bitcoin. I mean, he has to continue with the lie because he has so many people who have invested in him like um uh calvin air and people like this he has like these other gazillionaires who are involved in this fraud who do think that he is satoshi he has to continue with this lie and, and continue you know making these claims but he just continues to unravel himself i mean he chose he keeps choosing the uk he chose the uk to, to come out and he did that that bbc thing where he proved with that weird convoluted um uh, cryptographic signature that he was Satoshi by signing something with some key and then pu- published the proof and what the Bitcoin community was amazing within like I think it was about 40 minutes it was completely disproved and pulled apart on Reddit um, by actual you know geniuses uh, actual Bitcoin geniuses which we're lucky to have so he has to continue this this charade this lie um, uh, and it's just watching a train wreck uh, in slow motion um, which is you know it's gonna happen Let's go to Dan Eve, your thoughts on the court case and uh, Dr. Wright. I think, I think it's just incredible that he's, he's still going. And surely there's like a point where, where a court says like, I mean, they have to, they mostly have to hear stuff, right? Uh, there's even a case in the UK where like a, I was reading a, 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 a Glaswegian lady was trying to sue uh, the landlord of the place she worked at because a seagull uh, attacked her and also shat on her. Um, so they'll hear anything, you know, and, and and give it a go. But it's whether they throw it out eventually anyway. And, you know, he's he's been kind of, you know, proven wrong. And and he's, what, did, didn't the, the case in the US that he had some sort of libel case or something and he, and he they said that he forged documents. Um, even the, and back, as Ben was saying, the BBC article when uh, BBC interviewed where he apparently signed a transaction but actually what happened and I think in the debunking, he um, set a variable or a signature as a variable when it shouldn't have been or something like that. And so, so you know, tiny little difference, but he was able to sign it and, and you know, and uh, it was disproven, of course. Um, I mean, even, even Wired, their article back in uh, 2015, so the title was originally, is Bitcoin's creator this unknown Australian genius? And then the subheading was documents leaked to Wired suggested that Bitcoin's creator uh, was Craig Wright. And then they later added in 2019, basically, there's loads of inconsistencies uh, uh, and, and he's been, uh, there's evidence that it appears to be fraudulent. So they added onto their title, is Bitcoin's creator this uh, unknown Australian genius? Probably not updated. And, uh, and they also admitted that it was probably a hoax as well. So I don't know. There's, there's got to be a, a time when when people just stop listening to him. But there's unfortunately a lot of people with a lot of money involved, and there's kind of a cognitive dissonance going on where they're like, I can't, I can't admit because I've gone all in on BSV because I was sold a bag of like dud beans, um, and I can say personally 
that uh, uh, I was sat at a table, I've mentioned this before, with uh, with Craig right opposite me, uh, uh, a Bitcoin powwow meal, infamous meal now, I think, uh, where Craig Wright said that Satoshi was probably dead anyway. So I don't believe any of it. And there's no evidence that seems to show that he is. There's, it's just everything just doesn't you know doesn't add up and it, it just seems like a continuous you know run of, of 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 well being rejected in court so hopefully it continues that way i think he would use the uh the the, the obi-wan kenobi darth vader line that when when in the first star wars uh obi-wan said your father is dead and darth vader was still alive and they met well he really changed so he would have some uh. kind of darth darth vader line i bet yeah <laughs> definitely definitely but hopefully this will be the last we hear of him from this court. There's always a way to weasel out of things that you've said, but certainly uh, Wired Magazine did us no favors uh, with the certitude of that headline, nor did Newsweek uh, when they declared Dorian Satoshi as Satoshi. Uh, just a hint for the future in the media. If you think you have the new Satoshi, you don't have it and your headline is wrong. I'm just telling you in advance. I'm saving you the trouble. Josh Shigala, your thoughts on the lawsuit from self-proclaimed Bitcoin inventor. No, uh, one thing I wanted to ask Stefan is, um, uh, can, can someone sue him for these false, uh, for these claims uh, that, that, and to prove in front of a court of law, especially the fact that he's going around aggressively or his, his team is aggressively suing uh, uh, people like Cobra uh, who are very well respected in this uh, space for a very long time. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I, 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 that, that I think is a really interesting thing. And I'm sure everyone would pull money in to do that. I, I'm not aware of any generalized uh, tort or, or claim where you can just sue someone for like running around the world, abusing all the legal systems. Uh, the, that's part of the problem with the system we have is, um, you can just sue someone meritlessly and, and impose lots of costs on them just to defend it. Some systems have uh, some right in some cases to get your attorney's fees if the claim turned out to be extremely frivolous, which some of these might be proven to be. In fact, I think one of his cases already had that. There's some ruling in Norway or some country against him, which he won't pay or something like that. I've heard about that. Um, so the best thing is to hope to get it dismissed with prejudice and with some kind of a sanction against them. Um, the closest analogy I can think of is, you know, the happy birthday song we were, we're all familiar with for, for decades was uh, you, you'll notice you go to some restaurants or in some TV shows, they have an alternate version of happy birthday because someone, some company went around claiming copyright in it for decades and they would collect royalties when people wanted to pay. And then they would sue people for not using it. And some people would use the fake song instead to avoid and then finally, a few years ago, it was overturned in court. But of course, you know, tens of millions of dollars had been collected at that point. Now, I think they had to pay it back, but it's probably long gone by then. So if, some, if he had collected some royalties for the white paper and then he lost, maybe they could be disgorged. But I don't think we're going to reach that point. So, But if he goes around suing people like Cobra, wouldn't it be a normal part of the course to say, well, you have to prove that uh, that you are Satoshi to bring this? I mean, can uh, I yeah, just I say believe, I'm Satoshi yeah. and I'm going to sue everyone? You have to, yeah, I think the burden of proof is on him to prove, uh, to prove infringement, you have to prove you're the plaintiff with the ownership. So to prove that, you have to prove you're the author. So he, the burden of proof would be on him. Um, 
it's probably a preponderance of the evidence. I think that's why he filed in the U.S. because if you file a registration for a work that's uh, published within a certain amount of time, I think within five years, then and no one challenges it or something like that, then there's a presumption that you are the author. But he filed it after that period, so there is literally no presumption whatsoever. So he would just have to prove it somehow. And I think the only evidence at this point would be his testimony, and testimony can be evidence, but. So he would just say, I hereby promise you that I'm the author. Now, the question is, would that be credible? Given his reputation at this point, and given the fact that I'm sure the defense would point out to the judge, they would give them a little education about Bitcoin. They would say, listen, if he really is Satoshi, he presumably has control over a certain number of coins, and he could he could easily prove that here in court. You know, He could prove it by signing a signature or something like that. Um, and if he refuses to do that, I think the judge will say, well, then you know, you have an easy way to prove it. You're not doing it. You're the one bringing the suit, um, and you're not meeting your burden of proof. So I think he's just going to fail to meet his burden of proof. What about, um, what about the licensing? So like Bitcoin obviously is you know, under copyleft. It's MIT, isn't it? Like well, that's another, de- yeah, that's another defense to the – so the, there's at least two defenses. One defense would be… Um, that he's not the author, so he doesn't have a copyright claim at all. The other defense would be even if he is the author, it was released under this MIT license. So it's so anyone using it is using it with permission that has already been granted and can't be taken back. So they're not infringing because they have license. So that's another defense they can use. Because it, it, you know, it's a, it's an attack on the integrity of the MIT license, isn't it? Which is not good correct. Very friendly. Very well. Yeah. Josh, did you have more on that? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I just am uh, definitely very interested in this one. I, I agree that there is a cognitive dissonance happening where people are too heavily invested either against this gentleman or for him. And, uh, and it, it's just like, it, it just sign the keys, dude. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say if Satoshi, just sign it and get it over and done with, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't. Well, and uh, just to follow up with Stefan, has there ever been a, a case like this before where a large technology like this exists but is not signed for by a major company? It's not like Pepsi can come in and say, that guy there made the formula for Pepsi. He works for us. Uh, there's no situation like this before. Can you think of anything similar? Well, I think that uh, if he had worked for a corporation and he had signed his copyright to the corporation, then they would be the right plaintiff to bring the suit and it would be a little messier. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I don't think there was any corporation when the white paper was originally published. The closest analogy would be probably to the case of patents where a group of companies collaborates to develop a standard that they want to be universally adopted. And then one of those companies behind the scenes is secretly patenting aspects of the, the standard, the part that they contribute. And then after everyone adopts the standard, then they start suing everyone for using it. And then in that case, you have antitrust concerns and things like that, and it just looks icky. So in those cases, courts can tend to be reluctant to let you enforce your patent if you sort of let it be adopted as the standard, right, that everyone – you meant for everyone to use it in sort of an open way. So I think you could argue that in this case, um, number one, whoever created Bitcoin started the blockchain, and and maybe they even put it in the in – the, they put the paper in the blockchain, right? So by doing that… They obviously wanted people to use the, the blockchain as an open standard, and 
I think you could – so we would call that an estoppel argument. He, so he would be stopped from complaining, for example, that people are using the blockchain and therefore violating his copyright because he encouraged them to do that or he, he made it possible by setting up the blockchain and maybe even putting the white paper in there himself. It seems an interesting analogy between this and Taproot where I know they wanted to use that algorithm earlier on, but it was a copyright algorithm you had to pay for. So no. it didn't get included. It wasn't the standard. May, I can explain. The Taproot thing, my understanding is uh, there was a patent on it, and it had expired shortly before – just a couple of years before uh, 2008. But because it had just expired, there had been no developed libraries and APIs is, and all that. Schnorr, is it? We're talking about Schnorr. Schnorr. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sure. yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, sorry. That is Schnorr I'm talking about. Sorry. Yeah, which is, it, which is uh, I mean, I use Schnorr. With the, the monetary issue, whereas Bitcoin allows it to roll out so it becomes the standard, whereas if Schnorr hadn't been locked down, maybe they would have rolled out and become the standard. So it's interesting, different licensing schemes and then what happens in the real world. Yeah, it's just been, just being adopted now, and it's it's an example of how patents and IP uh, distort and impede the development of innovation, especially new innovative technologies. So it's a sad thing that Bitcoin couldn't have had this earlier, which they would have been able to, uh, if not for patents. Yeah, Schnorr signatures are dope. I've used them a few times recently in the past year, and um, they're, they're great. I can see why Bitcoin would have worked a lot better if we just had them from the beginning. Um, uh, what about MIT, the MIT license? Have many has, has anyone ever challenged uh, something which has been released under MIT and then turned it into a, a private, privately copyrighted thing? I, I believe that in a few cases there have been challenges to the um, to the legal effectiveness of things like the Creative Commons license and the MIT and the GNU these types of licenses because there are some legal problems you could find with them. For example, normally a license would be a negotiation between two identified parties. They would have an agreement, either written or oral, but you could point back to that actual agreement. And so there'd be also consideration, right? A contract to be legitimate in common law countries, you need consideration. Uh, whereas if I just publish a work and I say on there, this is licensed under Creative Commons or MIT, you could say, well, the person using it, how do we have a record that they got the license because I could change it later and maybe they don't have proof that I was published under a license and what consideration did they pay? But I believe in, in the few cases that I'm aware of, the courts have basically said, no, these are enforceable. If, if, if anything, under the estoppel theory, like, look, you put it out there. You, you intended for people to rely upon this and use it. They did. So you'd be stopped or prevented from making a copyright infringement claim. Which would be tantamount to a license. So I do think that the MIT license would probably be legally enforceable, and because of that, um, uh, a copyright infringement suit would fail because the person being sued would have a defense. It'd be interesting to like uh, have some sort of NFT that would carry that license, so you can prove that you that it hasn't been changed or that you got it at a certain time at a timestamp on a blockchain, and then. You, you you know you haven't it hasn't changed because he is the nft for the Co correct or on the blockchain uh, now uh, the internet archive could work as well but that's spotty in coverage um the problem the problem is all these solutions are too complicated to work in reality because copyright is automatic you don't have to do anything so everyone has a copyright in anything that they as soon as you write it down uh, even if it's not published and people are just too lazy to 
take those steps to do that. They're just going to publish things online, and at best, you could hope that they will slap a CCBY or, a, or some kind of license on it because uh, it takes two, two seconds to just write that. But I think that's all you can expect most people to go through the trouble of doing. If you require them to actually go through the extra step of embedding it in an NFT, that's going to be like 0.1% of the cases. So most cases would not be verified that way. Toshi's original post uh, on uh, Bitcoin open source implementation of um, P2P currency. I've developed a new open source P2P eCash system called Bitcoin. That's the first sentence of the first post he ever wrote. So, so it'd be quite hard to prove that it was uh, copyrighted when he's already like within the first sentence and the, the title of his first post, he's saying it's open source. So I suppose well, the, it's the, the white paper specifically, is it? There's also a second related doctrine uh, to estoppel called latches, which is like another equitable do doctrine, which means that if you wait too long to bring a suit, then you're also barred under equity because you like, and if you wait 12 years and you let this whole industry grow up, this is related to the uh, to the standards patent standards argument. But if you if you let the whole Bitcoin ecosystem grow up and you lurk like a submarine waiting for everyone to adopt it and then you spring upon them and sue them, uh, that would look bad as well. And I think latches would be yet another defense that could be used, saying that you're barred by estoppel, you're barred by latches, you're barred by the fact that you granted an MIT license, and you're barred by the fact that you can't prove that you're Satoshi. So, so there's sure, at least he's, four he's defenses. Just, he's just screwed, isn't he? He's never going to get it through. He's never going to prove that he's uh, Satoshi. He's never going to get people to take these white papers down. All he can do is just go around trying to bully people with lawsuits. Uh, I think Correct. this is a perfect setup for the exit question. Forced prediction, yes or no? Will Craig Wright be successful? Will he force Cobra to take down the white paper? Uh, Dan Eve. I I think, did I read that he he did actually take it down briefly? Uh, it might be put, put back up, but Lots no, he didn't. Get sued, but yeah, long term. Well, I think, I, I, I well, hopefully not then, because I think that there's other, I read that Square Crypto also, Square also like put up the white paper in protest. So I think uh, he's going to have a lot of lawsuits on his hand and hopefully this one just gets slapped out. But just very quickly before we, I just saw it, my favorite quote of all time from, from Craig Wright, um, uh, okay, 2019, oh my, that's my dog licking the bowl. I haven't fed her just yet. Um, favorite quote is, he says, uh, I'll, uh, he says, "There's this this whole whole. I'll feed you soon. There's this whole section. I remember some white paper um, back in 2008. It had this section on how identity worked in Bitcoin. Shh. I remember reading it. Probably when I wrote it. <laughs> that means you didn't write it. <laughs> Sorry, that was it. Favorite Dan says, hopefully not a lot of, not a lot of faith in the uh, UK legal system. Josh Shigala, yes or no, uh, will he be successful? Uh, no, I don't believe he will. No. Ben Ark. Yeah, those Craig Wright groupers are well worth looking up. It's hilarious. And that, that particular quote in that speech where it's like, yeah, I read it in 2000, prob, prob, uh, probably because I, I wrote it. I wrote it in 2000. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, no, it's not gonna. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's just, it's kind of sad to watch almost. But uh, I'm also not too worried about Cobra. Cobra's like, he's got bank, you know. Like Satoshi wants to fuck with him, throwing lawsuits, all lawsuits around. Okay, like his identity may be, um, uh, maybe at risk, which would really suck because he's managed to keep it private for such a long time. 
Um, but Cobra's been in Bitcoin for a long time and he's got some very rich friends. Um, so if it does ever get to the point where he has to tool up lawyer wise, because um, I imagine that this case, by the sounds of it, with all the holes in it, if it gets into a court, you don't need an expensive lawyer to prove this load of bollocks. Um, uh, you know, the, the judge will be able to see that on their own. So, um, yeah, so but but if he does need to tool up, then Cobra can tool up. He doesn't need to worry about that. And like uh, I think Josh said, he could, we could easily put a fund together to, to help the legal battle or whatever. So yeah, no, it's just a it's just just a train wreck in slow motion. Stefan Kinsella, yes or no? Does right succeed? Uh, no, I think he doesn't. Um, and there was I don't know if you saw. There's an interesting little uh, video someone came out with a few weeks ago, sort of little defiant stunt where they had a couple of hundred Bitcoin personalities each read a snippet of the white paper. So that the whole white paper is in one video on YouTube, but every person is only saying a very tiny fragment. I guess the idea is each one is using it a bit in fair. It's called fair use, right? So each one is not individually liable because if you can read a sentence, that's not that's fair use. So uh, there's lots of uh, lots of things that they can't shut down, even if they could shut this down. But no, I think he's going to lose. That's probably the same reason they made the "We Are the World" video. Uh, just to yeah. establish fair use. Moving on to issue five, Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk agree on Bitcoin's green credential credentials. We talk about it a lot because it's the most popular Bitcoin FUD of 2021. Yes, Bitcoin uses as much power as a small country. It's so easy to calculate. You just take the number of power used by a miner and multiply times another number, and that's how you get the answer. Bitcoin uses too much power. But now Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are arguing back, even saying that Bitcoin is actually good for the environment. Josh Shigala, is Bitcoin good for the environment? Of course it is. Uh, the, the humans need to use power uh, they need to they need to use as much power as possible because the more power that we use, um, the 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 better society becomes. And um, the the thing is that we need to find better power sources. And this is exactly what Bitcoin's doing. It's heading towards better power sources. Um, we live on the most amazing planet where there's constant power in the ionosphere, like more than we can ever use. There is more than we can ever use just a, a, a kilometre or two underneath us, um, uh, maybe a little bit more. But it, it, it's really the search for renewables um, really isn't that far away from us. What's been stopping humanity for a long time is, um, is, is uh, structures uh, like the coal industries or the oil industries that manage to corner markets and protect markets through even through using the force of the state to uh, to protect a certain uh, certain industry and certain regions um, and and Bitcoin turns the table to say hey there's a game theoretical uh, advantage to finding the cheapest most abundant energy possible and uh, and go for it so really, this is what Bitcoin does. It heads humanity towards the cheapest um, source of energy possible. And, uh, and the cheapest source of energy is, of course, the stuff that is just coming out of the earth 
or in the ionosphere or the waves or the you know there's uh, there's there's abundant energy is we just need clean clean versions Stefan Kinsella, your thoughts on Bitcoin and energy usage? Well, first of all, uh, I mean, you could argue that uh, the, the current fiat system, say the dollar, pollutes way more because it's backed by the U.S. military, which is the biggest polluter. Uh, and gold, gold mining, of course, is horrendous for the environment. Um, so compared to them, it's, it's nothing. Uh, but you could make a contrarian argument, you know, that uh, – more CO2 is good as plant food, right? So unfortunately, Bitcoin's going to go green and use renewable sources instead of uh, putting more CO2 into the air. So unfortunately, it's not going to give us a lot of plant food. But I'm just kind of joking a little. But uh, no, I think it's going to uh, it's going to spread energy around the world. It's going to make the. I'm here in Houston, Texas. We were frozen in January because the windmills shut down. Uh, you know, if you build five times as many windmills as you as you need, you can't justify that right now because they're idle. But if you put Bitcoin mining farms near them, you can soak up that power. And when there's an emergency, they can just go offline and give it to the to the humans uh, to heat their homes. So I think it's going to revolutionize uh, energy uh, stability around the world and 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 uh, produce new energy centers where there's no populations, and then populations will move there. So it's going to colonize the world with power and energy, which is a good thing. But calculating the value of the fiat system's hard. I have to have more than two variables, you know, armored trucks, ATMs, cost of office spaces, all of that. That's too hard to do. The Bitcoin thing's really nice and easy. I just slam the two numbers together and uh, multiply. It's a big win for everyone. Uh, ben Ark, uh, more of this FUD in the future? Petrodollar, like petrodollar, you know, linked to the price of petrol. Um, uh, that's what we're most people trade in on the international markets. Bitcoin is incredibly efficient if we use it better. And if we uh, use a transaction from far more things than just me sending value to somebody else, uh, which is possible, as we were talking about, we mentioned Taproot a little bit uh, earlier on. There's so much information you can pack into a Bitcoin transaction. Um, and there's so much economic uh, movement um, uh, you can pack into a Bitcoin transaction. So I think we need to, the first thing we can do, if, we, if, we're, if we're concerned about the, um, I'm concerned personally, if I, if I do a bit of an on-chain Bitcoin transaction, I get, I get, it's like taking a flight or something. I get a little bit of carbon guilt, you know, because I'm a bit of a snowflakey lefty type, so I, I care about these things. And I do get a little bit of carbon guilt. Um, uh, there's Martin there in spirit. He's with us. Um, and uh, yeah, they are, they are heavy carbon. But I mean, for good reason, because, you know, you're sending... A transaction without a trusted third party and this is this is the cost of that um we just need to make it more we need to make it more the actual transaction itself more efficient and then as well as that encourage um green mining and and, and encourage this debate because actually i know we all think it's fud and we, we don't like talking about it but look you've got elon musk and jack dorsey discussing how bitcoin can actually have a beneficial impact on um on people seeking out renewables and baking businesses where they can sustain you know renew renewables uh, being developed by you know in downtime when there's, there's no, no demand for the electricity by locking it up by mining bitcoin um and then how bitcoin you know goes to the place where the energy is cheapest and all that sort of stuff all that you know all that good uh, propaganda which we put out there but i think just making a bitcoin more you know making transactions more efficient is, is a good step um uh, and then also like 
I want more offsetting. I know people don't like the idea of offsetting, but I want more offsetting options. So to, to heal my carbon guilt and for anyone else who's worried about Bitcoin, it doesn't cost much. I send a Bitcoin transaction and then for an extra five, 10 percent, I can then pay the carbon of uh, the carbon footprint of that transaction for like three, four years or something. So we need more more solutions. There's loads of um, uh, carbon uh, offsetting uh, charities out there. Um, where they have APIs and you can like figure out how much your flight is going to cost you in carbon and you can offset that. And there's, there's no reason why they couldn't put Bitcoin into their APIs. It'd be great. I'd use it. So um, I want to see more solutions like that coming out for, you know, for, for people like me who are a bit snowflakey. And then if, if people are concerned, you say, well, let's carry on using Bitcoin. Just if you're concerned about it, just offset your carbon footprint. Everybody's always down on Bitcoin fees, but I always think it's worth it. Even if I have to pay five or 10 bucks to use the network, I'm always like, I'm using Bitcoin. I'm happy. I'm using another yeah, currency. It's amazing. It's it's worth five or ten bucks to me, and I guess you have to send around a couple thousand or something to make that worth it. But uh, still worth it. Cool, like neat to do. Even if I'm sending it to a buddy, it's like it's worth doing it because I want the chance of him holding the Bitcoin. I want to increase that odds by sending. And all it. that all that hash rate forever. All those extra hashes are securing that transaction. Your transaction specifically your transaction and make it more and more secure just as time wears on it's incredible they just need to put an animation on it people can't see the animation so they don't know what's happening so exactly computer animation uh dan eve your thoughts on uh bitcoin and uh being green well i, I think that the, one of the key things in that article is that um a lot of the, the resistance you hear about bitcoin is that, um, you know, obviously that that it's it's completely young green it's using fossil fuels and blah 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 and that you know people won't move to it because then you know move to green because they're not incentivized but they are incentivized to move to you know to being green in bitcoin because it's where the cheaper electricity comes from for the for, for the excess as we discussed before um, but I don't know. I think the only thing that's unsustainable in Bitcoin is 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 people saying that it's dead. I mean, there's there's uh, surely they're going to run out of gas soon. They can't sustain saying it's dead because it it hasn't died yet. It's been eleven years and and uh, and counting. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. There, there, there was in that article it said it, there was a it was, it's a cynical attempt to greenwash, a cynical attempt to greenwash uh, Bitcoin. But you know, surely in, 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 they should be at least celebrating slightly that that um, you know big names like uh, Musk and uh, and Jack uh, are, uh, are pushing for a new a greener Bitcoin. You know, they, they, it does show that there's kind of a positive movement. Um, behind at least kind of letting the world know that it does use less um, uh, less uh, fossil fuels than than everyone's saying, but all it takes is a bit of a bit of research and, and a bit of a bit of a skeptical mind to filter out. And I know that obviously Bitcoin is going to Bitcoin related art, news articles from you know from our our side, uh, the Bitcoin side will probably have a bit of bias. Um, and the other side has as anti-bias, you know, they, they don't like um, uh, the idea of a green Bitcoin or think that it's just crap, but they've probably just missed the boat. You've always got to remember that anyone that's, that's crapping on Bitcoin, they can't, you know, they may be an expert, but they also, because they're being negative about Bitcoin, it's likely they miss the boat. So just whenever you see an expert said something never negative about Bitcoin, just replace that with someone who missed the boat said something bad about Bitcoin. And then you're like, <laughs> what a loser. Uh, but not, not a loser in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way, as in uh, they lost out, as in they lost out not, not on an actual loser. Yeah. So I think it's good that, that they're promoting a, a greener Bitcoin. I don't think there's anything that's wrong with it. Won't be paying for my my uh, carbon credits for my Bitcoin usage. But um, 
you know, use things like lightning, which do have a lower, lower footprint. And there's still a chance for you to catch the boat by giving us a thumbs up to this episode. Uh, when we were around 30 viewers, we said, give us a thumbs up. Now we're at 50 viewers. Uh, thanks to your help. Uh, moving on to the exit question, Mr. Wonderful, star of the Shark Tank program, has famously said that he will only buy Bitcoin minted with green energy and he will only buy Bitcoin not minted in China. How long before other companies follow suit and which one will be first? Who will offer customers green Bitcoin first? Let's go to Josh Shigala. What a ridiculous statement. I mean, uh, go on. Tell me, tell me which Bitcoin is green, uh, mined with green. Tell, tell me which Bitcoin is what? What? What are you talking about? Uh, like, actually, uh, you know, even, even with your home energy, when you pay, you've got solar panels on your roof, generally that's going back into the grid and you're just buying power that's also made from coal. It's just you're adding to the network. So you sometimes, you know, get cheaper power, whatever. And it's the same with Bitcoin. Some of it's made green, some of it's not. It'll all mix. Um, all it needs to do is go through a couple of transactions and it's already mixed with other ones. What, what is Mr. Wonderful really going to, um, I bet, I bet. And in fact, if Mr. Wonderful has some Bitcoin, I guarantee you that they would have been through Silk Road. Um, the original Silk Road, um, it, it would have gone through that pretty much guaranteed um, or some sort of dark market. Um, and, and, and that's that's just a fact. Um, it, it is just, possible that he's buying virgin full blocks direct from the miners. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. As if. And as far as the other point, Josh isn't going to like it, but a company like Coinbase might come along pay the carbon offsets for your Bitcoin transaction and then claim it's green, offering a potential advantage for an otherwise fungible Bitcoin. Ben Ark, do you think it will be happen? Who will be first? Sorry, um, um, I'm off topic. But amazingly, we have made 10,000 Satoshis from my goofy little animation thing, which actually is a, is a decent amount of, of money. So as I said uh, earlier on, I, I'm going to visit. Five dollars, man! It's like five dollars. It's like five dollars. It's five dollars. So here's a here's a giveaway. Here, it's got five two thousand uh, Satoshi pulls on this island URL. So get those lightning wallets out and uh, suck those sats. Um, and uh, that's my answer to the question. Wow! So you can what? So people can just take those sats back. So folks at home, scan that QR code right now and make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, for next week's show, if you want to get these sats, you got to be watching this show live. And this is this is circular economy right here. Like people paid to do a little animation thing, it's, and then right, Craig Wright is a thing up there, which is well worth it. And then and now that money is that money which is going back out through the screen. Crazy! It's literally circular around your head. One is on the left side, one's on the right side. It's amazing. All right, let's go to Stefan Kinsella. Uh, who will be first? Who will offer green Bitcoin? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think this is a. It'll be a temporary thing, like NFTs, just uh, flash in the pan for for Bitcoin to work. I believe it has to be fungible or fungible enough. So if you start having tainted coins, 
then it's going to be ruined as a store of value or reserve currency. Yep. Um, but I think it won't happen because if someone is stupid enough to uh, to restrict their their buying to a limited pool of bitcoins, they're going to have to pay more, and other people with no scruples will arbitrage it away. Uh, sort of like the libertarian free market argument that that irrational racism and sexism on the free market uh, has a cost and can't work because employers that you know only hire white males are going to be harmed by restricting themselves to that pool, and they'll be outcompeted by others. And I think something similar would happen in the Bitcoin world too. I think this is a uh, is, is nonsense. I, I know lots of people that would that would laugh at that, and they would they would buy the bitcoins that are tainted. Uh, that are being sold on the cheap, relatively speaking. It does seem very likely that Mr. Wonderful is paying a premium for his green Bitcoin. So that might affect his investment horizons as well. Dan, Eve, did we talk to you about this one, about who's going to sell you a green Bitcoin first? Would it be Coinbase in San Francisco, famously liberal city? Dan, Eve? I wonder if it, uh, it'd be funny if it's some like sudden like Greenpeace, like they're getting in the gate. Greta, that's it. Greta's going to open up an OTC counter and she'll be selling you green Bitcoin for a premium. That's who I'm going with. And she could save the environment. She could use the, uh, the money to fund her operations. Sounds like a good mix. Uh, all right. I think we're headed towards the end of the show here. Uh, so we'll just go ahead with predictions or story of the week. Josh Shigala, are you ready with a prediction or story of the week? Um, yeah, uh, well, uh, we're hot on the heels, uh, developing our project, our secret squirrel project that uh, I can't really talk about too much, but it's going to be amazing. Uh, uh, unfortunately for us Bitcoiners over here, we'll be on Ethereum, but that is because uh, smart contracts aren't uh, available really. Uh, uh, the, the op return codes aren't enough currently on Bitcoin. But um, it's an amazing project. Uh, there will be some airdroppage on Voltoro, so uh, make sure you join up on Voltoro to grab some of that uh, once this project is ready and to uh, get all the latest news as it's happening. It's it's really exciting project um, for all the, the gold bugs as well as uh, the Bitcoin bugs as well as people that like uh, crypto and all things new. <laughs> Dan, Eve, prediction or story of the week. Go ahead. I'm going to go for something a bit more realistic as my prediction this week. And I think that after uh, uh, Musk and, uh, and Jack have been chatting in their little pump group, I think they're going to build a Dyson sphere. That's it. They're going to announce plans soon to build a Dyson sphere, and that will cover the green element as well. So there's, it's, all, it's all green be up there around the sun, and, uh, and that's it. All the mining can be, you know, done via the electricity gathered from the Dyson sphere. And we can finally start stop losing energy. We can create a true closed loop system uh, for the world. Ben Ark, uh, planning to live in that new Dyson sphere uh, prediction or story of the week. Go ahead, Ben. Elon Musk needs to stop uh, fucking sending all those rockets up into space because that's got a heavy carbon footprint too. He needs to offset it with an API. So just as you can like figure out how much carbon you're using flying to, you know, Mallorca, you could figure out how much carbon you're using sending a rocket up to the moon and then offset. That's, that's, all I, that's all I've got to say to Elon. And finally, Stefan Kinsella, prediction or a story of the week. Go ahead. 
Yeah, what's what's that expression? Uh, they can't if you can't hear someone scream in outer space. Maybe you can't hear you can't see pollution in outer space if we build this sphere. So who cares, right? Um, all right, a couple of predictions. Uh, not really a week, maybe a little bit longer horizon, but uh, I can't wait for Vijay Poyapati's bullish case for Bitcoin book to come out uh, pretty soon, I believe. And uh, the Open Crypto Alliance, which I'm in, <coughs> Open Crypto X on Twitter, you can find it. Uh, or open, yeah, or the website opencryptoalliance.org. Um, we're very soon going to be uh, putting up some uh, some patents that we've selected for requesting the community to help us crowdsource and find prior art, which we can use to challenge some of these uh, these ridiculous patents to uh, to get some victories, knocking them down, so that. Um, uh, the, uh, the reputation and the claims will be tarnished and uh, remove some of the power to use these patents uh, in, a, in an aggressive and harmful way against innocent Bitcoin companies and individuals. Well done. This is such, a, such an amazing project. I've, uh, I just I take my hat off to you. As you can see, everyone, I'm not wearing a hat this week, and that's because I take it off to uh, Stefan's group and team, small team, uh, doing amazing, amazing work and very, very much worthwhile. In fact, uh, yeah, I, I love Ben Ark's QR codes here. I think we should definitely be using those more and more to help uh, uh, raise funds for all the, uh, all the great work you're doing. Very cool. And also shocking to see Josh's uncovered head. Uh, just one more time, Stefan, what's the webpage for the Open Crypto Alliance? OpenCryptoAlliance.org, and you can find us on Twitter at OpenCryptoX. Very cool. Excellent organization. And uh, my story of the week, uh, just uh, I've been having fun trying out the Tops NFT cards on Wax. I don't think that I'm making any money. I couldn't get in the early sale. I got into the later sales. I bought a bunch of Oakland A players and a couple of San Francisco Giants, and I'm having a good time with collectibles. So if you guys are in NFTs, uh, check it out. We're going to be having some more NFT content here on the World Crypto Network. Uh, it looks like I haven't been doing anything because I'm not doing daily shows, uh, but I have been doing interviews, even sometimes two or three a day. And I'm going to edit those down and eventually launch those as a series of interviews with NFT creators. We've also been doing interviews with uh, people that go to Bitcoin conventions, and we're focusing on, focusing on some documentary content of a Bitcoin convention. So look for that in the future. Obviously, this kind of thing takes a lot longer, requires editing, uh, hopefully looks nicer when it comes out, but uh, it's not as fun as doing daily shows. You get that. Oh, yeah. And the WCN clips as well. Yeah. And WCN clips, check out WCN clips on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to it. You'll even start to see them pop up in your inbox. They're quite enticing. Uh, they have cool headlines like, uh, you know, Bitcoin or NFTs are going out of business. Click here. And uh, Bitcoin is the best thing ever. Click here. So uh, yeah, it's really be good. like, oh, my God, Bitcoin's going to $10,000 million. And these are great to share with your friends and people that are into Bitcoin. Maybe they don't have time to watch the whole show, but they'd be happy with just a short show. And for me, this is really how I got into Joe Rogan. Uh, the JRE Clips channel always had an enticing clip a great headline and uh, it would draw me in and I'd end up watching the whole interview. So uh, we kind of hope to recreate some of that magic here. And with your help sharing those clips, uh, we can make that possible. So 
Uh, thanks so much to everybody for joining us. Thanks for all our guests. Uh, thanks to everybody pushing that thumbs up out there in the audience and be sure to subscribe down below. Uh, we're out of time, uh, but until next time, bye-bye.